What a night, guys. This is our last night, like I mentioned. My name is Ryan. If we have not met, it's our last chance to, so I would love to meet you before we jump into Somersault Company starting in June, our night of worship next week. Lots to look forward to. But this is the end, the end of this year. Let me ask you guys, how was your year? Was it, was it all right? Like, how was, thanks for asking. Mine was all right, but really, how was your year? It's kind of an interesting time to ask that question. Because I think if we had everybody kind of come up here and get a mic and everybody shared their answer, we'd probably get a very wide array of responses, wouldn't we? We'd get a lot of different responses, a lot of different attitudes. Honestly, some of you would be sad, angry, bummed, confused. Like this year might have been really, really hard for you. I don't think anybody would be surprised by that. What would Jesus say about this year? What you might say is one thing, but what do you think Jesus would say if we asked him, how was this past year? Do you think he would be surprised? Do you think he was caught off guard by all the curveballs that our world kept throwing at us? Would he be disgruntled or disappointed? Would he be proud of you? Would he be pleased with me and how I handled this year? Have you met all your goals? Have you, you know, nailed all those New Year's resolutions? But like, maybe, like connection group leaders, how have things gone for you? Like all the promises we've made to God this year, like how have we done with those things? I don't know. For me, yeah, bit of a bummer, if I'm being honest. But I really do wonder, what would Jesus say? How did this year go according to him. How did I do in his eyes? I love that these guys are going to Zambia up here. Um, about a year and a half ago or so, I got to go just for a couple weeks and see all the work that the church has been doing in Zambia. I met a lot of really, really cool people. I actually took, when I was there, some uh, time to make like a top 10 moments in my whole life list. Have you guys ever heard of anybody doing that? Maybe not. You should do it. It's really fun. Like literally try and rank the best moments of your life, like get a top 10 out of them. I have a bunch of honorable mention. I think three of my top 10 moments of my life happened in Zambia, which is so sick. So hopefully you guys have like a bunch of those cool moments too. Most involved really cool people. One memory in particular involved 10 million fruit bats. Okay. And so that's what I want to tell you about. Really interesting. Um, The largest mammal migration in the world happens in Zambia. And it's this really weird phenomenon that nobody really can explain. Scientists are like, what the heck? I don't get it. There's like over 10 million fruit bats, three feet long with their diameter. Yeah, gross, right? Straw-colored fruit bats, massive mammals. And they all just come to this one place in this place called Kasanka, I think. <laughs> That's what I wrote down at least a year ago. All right? And they just hang out. I don't know what's going on. I don't know why they're there. But it was one of the craziest things ever. It took forever for us to get there. We're winding through these roads. It's super dark. Like all we can see is trees, really muddy on the ground, I remember. Like getting kind of car sick, like bumpy road, like in the back of a Jeep. Like I don't even know if this is actually worth it. We drove so long to get here. Traveled all the way across the world to get here. And I don't know. I just kind of was losing interest. I was like, this probably won't be that cool. And then we roll up to this massive tree. All right. We don't see any bats yet. And they're like, all right. Here's this tree, 
And they pointed at the ladder and said, here's your ladder, go up. And I'm looking, I'm like, shoot, well, I'm not like afraid of heights, but kind of like, you know, kind of. And uh, the ladder did not look super sturdy, let's be real. Um, And it was like, okay, I guess we're going to climb up this ladder. And my attitude wasn't much better. And then we got up there and everything changed. I think I actually have a picture of us ascending the ladder, if we want to throw that up there. Kind of, kind of a crazy, uh, yeah, it's kind of zoomed in. It doesn't really look that impressive. It was scary. But then we got to the top, and this is what I saw. It was pretty cool. Go to the next picture. Look at that. That is what, yeah, that's a whole lot. But that is what 10 million three-foot-wide bats look like just hanging out. There's another picture. Isn't that the most beautiful thing and kind of terrifying thing that you've ever seen? And dude, we sat up there in this treehouse, like, a, I don't know how high it was, but I don't know, hundreds, thousands of feet above the ground in this treehouse. And we're up there and we sat up there for hours watching the sunset, watching these bats do their thing. And I was just in awe. And it was so funny, like comparing and contrasting, like my attitude and my expectation while I was on the ground coming there, surrounded by trees, unable to see above in the sky to when we were up in the treehouse in this worshipful moment, watching God's beautiful creation, as gross as they might be up close from a distance, were pretty stinking cool. And tonight, guys, this is where we're going. This is like up in that, up in that treehouse, That's where I want us to to be together tonight. I want us to get off the ground, to not just see the, the trees and the mess and the mud and the darkness that might be around us immediately, but I want us to get up in that treehouse, metaphorically speaking, and see this past year as Jesus sees this past year. That's what I want us to end this year doing. See the last year as Jesus sees the last year. That is the perspective shift that we need. Not from the ground where it's been tough, but where Jesus is sitting. Metaphorically up in the treehouse. You're gonna have to go with me on that one. That's how I'm picturing it. What would it be like if we sat with him? What would we see from the treehouse with Jesus? That's the question we're answering tonight. And we're gonna see three things, guys. We would see unthankfulness is crouching at the door. Right, it's close at hand. We would see an opportunity to be thankful right now and we would see finally the beginning of a very thankful eternity, guys. And if we, if we see these things, if we see what Jesus sees, I think we are gonna leave here very, very thankful people. So let's dive right in. Open your Bibles to Deuteronomy 6. We're gonna go to three different passages. Deuteronomy 6 is the first place that we are gonna go. And the first thing that we are gonna see there is that unthankfulness is crouching at the door. Deuteronomy 6, verse 10 through 12. It's going to be on the screens. If you don't have your Bible, this is what it says. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that he would give you, a land with large and beautiful cities that you did not build, houses full of every good thing that you did not fill them with, cisterns that you did not dig, vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant, and when you eat and are satisfied... Be careful not to forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. Okay, this year might have been hard, for sure. I refuse to make light of kind of the hardships that we've all kind of had to go through. And I think you might be expecting me to say, all right, if your year was hard, you still need to be thankful. 
Maybe that's where you feel I'm going with this right now. And honestly, that's very, very true. Even if you just had the hardest year of your life, I think it's actually commanded in the Bible that we fight and fight and fight until we are thankful people. Ephesians 5 says, give thanks for everything that comes your way. 1 Thessalonians 5 says, give thanks in everything, right? No matter what the circumstances, there is reason, there is probable reason, like there is actual evidence that we can be thankful. But for those of us who had a hard year, you're not actually the ones that I'm most concerned with or worried about tonight. Look back at Deuteronomy 6. Who, who are the people that Moses is warning in this passage? Who is he begging for them to remember their Lord? It was people who had been tremendously blessed, right? People who God had delivered out of slavery in Egypt, who he was guiding through the wilderness to what? The promised land. A place that had everything they could ever want. A place that was like one giant gift that they didn't have to work or toil for a thing, but they were rich, they were loaded, they were satisfied, they were blessed. And if you're here tonight and you feel like you're in need, like you're spiritually hungry, you're hurting, turn to Jesus and he will fill you. I promise you. I'm confident that you will actually do that tonight. But there might be some of us who I'm less confident in tonight. Those of us who metaphorically have grown fat on the blessing of God and honestly feel like we are in no need of him tonight. This American Western culture church idea where uh, if we don't have what we need, we are one button away from getting it, right? You need something, you got an app for that. You need something, there's something at Costco for you that will take care of all of your needs. That's like the culture and the life that we live in. And we even bring that ideology, the expectation into this house, into God's house, into the church. And we gorge ourselves. And we grow stagnant and we grow dull and we grow numb. Friends, even if your year was hard, I promise you, God has blessed you greatly. If you're sitting here tonight, if you're listening to this online, I promise you, God is actively blessing you with the life he gives you. But the question is, why does he do that? It's because he loves you. It's because he loves us so much and he desires to have loving relationship with every single one of us. And what's terrifying is that in the midst of his blessing, we love what he gives us so, so much that we forget him. This is the spirit of unthankfulness. This is slavery to sin. And this is what we need to fight against tonight. That Romans 1 even says that like what all sinners, what all people who do not know the Lord have in common is they are not thankful. And their unthankfulness takes them down a path of walking farther and farther and farther away from God. It's a spirit of entitlement. How can we ever be thankful if we don't believe that we are in need of anything? We might be good at enjoying blessing, enjoying the gifts God has given us, but we are also good at forgetting the God who blesses us so richly. The spirit of entitlement, guys, I would say is naturally opposed to two words, thank you, right? It is naturally opposed to two words, thank you. The best, I mean, the best way I could explain this, the best, the best story I have 
As I remember, maybe I've shared this before, who cares? It's all right. I was seven years old, I was swimming in North Carolina, and I was, I must have thought I was a really good swimmer, because I was out and the tide was coming in, and it was getting real gnarly, and I was not doing well. I was getting dunked under him, I'm with my cousins, and we're all like seven, eight, nine, but I was the youngest. I remember trying to prove myself to them. And they're like, hey man, they're all text, hey man, we gotta get back in, the tide's coming in. Ryan, let's go. That's how they talk. It's all right. And I said, no, you babies. I can hang. And the next thing I get dunked under, I go up and I don't see them anymore. I think I saw them in the distance. They were getting back to shore. But they just left me out there because I said I was fine. And before I can even catch my breath, boom, I'm under again. And again, boom, I'm under again. Has this ever happened to you guys? It's freaky. And I look up and there's this random like angel couple, like this dad and his daughter with like, I don't know, like a surfboard or something, like something floaty. And they're like, hey, do you need any help? And it's like my saving moment. I say, nope, I'm good. Boom, under again. Come back up, they're gone. And this started happening so much that I was toast. Seven years old, couldn't float, could barely swim. And I was making my bed underwater. And I'm starting to cry, kind of, but I can't even breathe. And right when everything's starting to get crazy dark and I'm just like, I think this is, I think this is it. All of a sudden, I see the real hero of the story. Every seven-year-old boy's nightmare, my sister comes running in to save me. <laughs> the most humiliating thing you could ever ask for, but dang it, I needed it. So my sister runs in, <laughs> tackles me, picks me up, just manhandles me, makes me look like a little baby, throws me on the ground, and I'm just bawling. <laughs> just <laughs> spin up water. Now, I had a choice. How stupid would it be if she says, are you okay? I love you. I saved you. How stupid would it be if I just said, no, and I pushed her out of the way and just ran back, just throwing up water and just ran right back into the water to prove myself to her that I wasn't a baby, that I could handle it. That is literally how foolish and how nonsensical the unthankful life is with this God. The one who saved us when we had absolutely no power to do anything about it. And we just nah, throwing up water, running back in because we have something to prove. The spirit of entitlement and ingratitude is opposed to the words thank you. But these words have a lot of power. Saying these words does two things to us. It puts us, it puts us in a posture of humility, doesn't it? The type of humility that like, oh my goodness, my older sister just saved me from dying but it also liberates us from the sin of unthankfulness as we glorify a kind and deserving God who saves. A lack of gratitude might be due to our entitlement. It might be due to our comfort or our quickness to forget like the people in Deuteronomy. But friends, a spirit of thankfulness breaks through to the God behind the blessings. As happiness comes and goes, like the waves, as even the best things in this life fade away and die, our God does not. And to miss out on him is to miss out on the only happiness that outlasts your life into eternity. Unthankfulness is crouching at the door, promising self-assuredness, but promising death as well. 
But Jesus calls us to a higher perspective tonight where he is not enslaved to the here and now, to the immediate, to the waves of emotions that come and go, but to be thankful no matter what is in the here and now as we remember our need and we remember our God like we are warned to do. I think from the treehouse with Jesus, we see unthankfulness threatening us, but we are ultimately free there with him to delight with gratitude for all he has done for us, for his glory. And I think the next thing that we would see is that we would see an opportunity to be thankful right now. Okay, we're skipping ahead to another story in the Bible. Deuteronomy 6, they're being warned not to forget God in the midst of these blessings. But in Luke 17, we get a chilling story where a spirit of ungratitude will take us. And it's very straightforward. And Luke 17, 11 through 19 says this. Again, it'll be on the screens. While traveling to Jerusalem, he, being Jesus, passed between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, 10 men with leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and raised their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he told them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And while they were going, they were cleansed. But one of them, seeing that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice gave glory to God. He fell face down at his feet, thanking him, and he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus said, we're not 10 cleansed? Where are the nine? Didn't any return to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he told him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has saved you. All right, for those of us who know Jesus, unthankfulness is not an option, no matter what we feel in the moment. But what we see here is further proof of what our God is actually all about. What's that? He's after people's hearts, man. After their deep, soul-level healing, never content just to go skin deep. What we see here is 10 desperate lepers begging to be healed from their disease, and they are. Like people that wouldn't even approach Jesus, who are so socially ostracized, who are religiously unclean. Jesus heals. Lepers who are in agony, not only physically, where their skin would just hurt so much, like literally things would start falling off the way that they would find pots to scratch themselves with, like we read about in the book of Job. Anything to just get rid of this burning sensation. can't even imagine the social isolation where you're told to stay so far away from people out like literally kicked outside of the city to not contaminate everybody else rejected by everyone but here comes Jesus here comes Jesus not one to isolate himself but one to march straight towards the contagious what we see blows our minds a couple things first off he doesn't get sick no, what's interesting about Jesus is when he goes towards contagious people, they're the ones who catch something, not him. When he goes towards sick people, he doesn't get sick. They get better. It blows our mind. But the next thing that might blow our mind is the response of the people who are healed. That nine of the 10 just go on their way and don't come back and say, thank you. Why? I mean, is it understandable? Like, can we understand? Like, was their joy just so hyped that they just kind of like innocently forgot about Jesus? 
Like, we can understand that, right? Maybe. I, I don't know. What I think is more accurate is this. They got what they wanted, and they were out of there. Wanting to be healed wasn't wrong. Don't hear me say that. But if that was all they received, they have still missed the point. The point being Jesus. Jesus' blessing in a way that actually opened a door for them not just to have physical healing from their disease, but to have him. And as that one thankful Samaritan leper, the least likely of all of them to return, as he returned glorifying God, he's met with these absolutely wild words, your faith has saved you. Thankfulness wasn't a nice sentiment, but a window into deep truth. The truth that Jesus is not just a miracle worker, not that he's just a healer for the physically sick, but he's eternally a soul saver. This foreigner, this outcast, this man in need saw that truth and he hit the ground, hit his knees in gratitude. And Jesus meets him with your faith has saved you and the disease that was in his soul was forever saved. And so the question for us tonight, guys, and it is a great question. Are there any lepers in the house tonight? <laughs> yeah, probably not. Are there any lepers in the house tonight? Are there any ex-lepers in the house tonight? Are there any of us who are far from God, but who Jesus marched straight up to at some point in your life, maybe even this year, and healed you? Are there any of us, even this year, who had a collision with Jesus that saved and changed your life? Spoiler alert. Yeah, it's happened. How many of you, literally, we're doing this. Raise your hand if you met Jesus this year for the first time, or you know somebody else who did. Seriously, go for it. Yeah, guys, what the heck? Are you serious? I'm telling you. Jesus is alive and he is working harder than any of us. And there is an opportunity to be thankful right now for that. We just got to do interviews for leadership, right? Countless interviews, countless stories over and over and over about what God is doing through you in your seats. Do you know how stirring that is for the soul? Countless interviews, countless baptisms, handfuls of baptisms that have been going on at church on Sundays of people in your seats, in your connection group, who God is saving, transferring from death to life forever, and we're celebrating it. Story after story, handfuls of baptisms, and your hands being raised tonight should prove to you that there is plenty of reason to be thankful, even right now. It pumps me up. We see miracles filling your seats tonight. And maybe you hear that, and maybe, maybe you're hearing this, and tonight you're even saying, huh, yeah, I think I need to raise my hand. Like, I might have been coming this whole entire year, or this might be my first night, but this Jesus, if he is who you say he is, and he is this good, and he marches towards the broken, and the sad, and the ungrateful people, and he wants to change me, and heal me, and bring me into his kingdom forever, and save me from my bondage of sin, and make me free, finally, yes. Tonight is the night for me. I believe somebody in here, that's tonight for you. Maybe you are that one leper who is coming back and slamming your knees on the ground saying yes to Jesus, thank you. And you know what? Maybe you're actually one of the nine. 
Maybe we are the people who actually have not shown gratitude for the Lord, but we have taken for granted all of the gifts that he has given us, completely ignoring him. The love that he has given you, you have never known. You have never broken through the gifts to get to the gift giver. Well, guess what? There's an opportunity, guys, to be thankful right now. Jesus is still calling He's still calling you to see what he sees, to sit with him, to enjoy him, and to be saved, not by your works or even the vibrato or the impressiveness of the way you say thank you, but by faith. By your faith that says you have nothing apart from him. Everything you earned, oh man, it is nothing apart from him. But you have everything in him that you were sick and now you are well. Faith that glorifies Jesus with a sweet and thankful heart. Friends, the question is not, will Jesus show up? Will he be here tonight? It's will we recognize him and will we be thankful? Unthankfulness melts away when our hearts cry out in gratitude. And guess what, guys? Maybe the best news of all, this is just the beginning. This is just the beginning of a very thankful eternity. We're closing this year, we're closing this semester, and we're closing this sermon series right where we started off in Colossians 3. Colossians 3, right, where we're getting the whole template of this Finding Freedom series. Where Colossians 3 says, you have actually been given a new identity. How? By saying, hey, you have died. When you put your faith in Christ, and you give up on trying to earn it yourself, you actually have died. Just like Jesus died on the cross, your sins have been put to death on a piece of wood with your Savior. And they don't bind you anymore. They don't define you anymore. You don't have to like, shake free on your own anymore. They're dead. And just as surely as Jesus died on the cross and rose again to new life, you too have been raised to new life with him that you're free, that you're alive, that death is now not the end for you, but it's just the beginning. And that this is so sure, simply by putting your faith in that Lord, is it so sure that it says in Colossians 3, when Christ, who is your life, appears, you also will appear with him in glory. Amen? It's one of my favorite lines in the whole world. That is called union with Christ. Remember that? That Jesus is so entwined. He is grasped onto you so firmly that when the God and the judge of the universe sees you, he sees his perfect son. That is Christianity. And so from that new identity, we take off the things that enslaved us, the things that defined us in the past, and we put on the new. We take off the old the stuff that was killing us, we put on the new, the good, and the holy, the godly. And by his help, we start to look more and more like him. And this actually is how that passage ends in Colossians 3, starting in verse 15. The end of verse 15, it says, as you're putting on these new things, be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you. In all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with what? With gratitude. 
gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the God and Father through him. All of our freedom from sin, our enjoying this union and new identity in Christ is heralded, crescendoed with thankfulness. Hearts that once were made of rock now melting in warm, high-voltage gratitude. And it trips me out, guys, that there is actually going to be a day. There's actually going to be a real, physical day when I'm not ever going to forget this again. When that identity that Colossians 3 is saying I have, I'm never going to forget it again. That I'm never going to be one of those lepers who forgets to be thankful, who gets so self-obsessed that I just run off from my Lord. That I'm not going to be one of those people growing fat in my soul and stagnant and forgetting my God. Why? Because I'm going to be with him. And I'm going to look up and I'm going to see him. And he's going to be right there. I don't know what it's going to be like, but it's going to be crazy. Have you ever thought about this? Have you ever just stopped and thought, what's it going to be like the day that I die? (laughs) I'm not trying to make light of it, but I kind of am. Like, have you thought about the day you're going to die? Are you terrified by that or are you pumped about that? Because outside of Christ, we should be terrified. I want us to imagine dying waking up and seeing Jesus, what's it going to be like? Will we be thankful or will we be terrified? One of the best parts of this last year, there was like literally zero. Like you count on like one hand how many good memories you have from Zoom this year, right? <laughs> like nothing. But there's this one uh, in the Veritas Roundtable. I just think about it all the time and it just came up to me this week. I just had to play it for you guys, where our pastors, Mark and Jeff, were interviewing a guy named Ray Ortland, and they asked him the same question, and we actually kind of have it for you. I'd love for you to watch this two-minute clip about how Ray Ortland answers this question. What's heaven going to be like? What are we looking forward to? I mean, what is the, when you think about heaven, what should people be excited about? What is the, where, what is this place we're dreaming about? Well, from my reading of scripture, I, I, here's, here's what I think is going to happen to me the instant I walk into heaven and into the Lord's presence. It's kind of hard to talk about. Now, he's going to be standing there, and I'm going to be standing there. And I think he might say to me, Ray, would you like a hug? <laughs> And I'll say, yeah. (laughs) And so I'll run to him and throw myself into his arms. And um, (laughs) I might knock him over, you know, and and he'll laugh. You know, we'll both stand up and just laugh. He'll love it. And um, so he'll just scoop me up into his arms and he'll say, um, 
Take your time. I'm in no hurry. So I might stay there for a year. <laughs> and um, I'm going to feel this healing, like going right down, flowing down into the roots of my being. I will finally discover, I'll start to feel like, oh, so this is what it feels like to be human. This is what it feels like to be alive. This is what it feels like to be happy. This is what it feels like to be complete. And um, so maybe a year later, I'll say, thank you. And he'll say, you're welcome. And he'll, maybe he'll say, so you ready? I'll say, yeah. And he'll say, well, here we go. guess all I can say is can't wait. Christian, how was this past year for you? How do you think you did? You're proud of yourself? You're ashamed of yourself? I don't know. I personally, eh, pretty bummed. But you know what? I think I do know what, I, I, you know, I think I do know what Jesus is saying to you. He loves you. He's so proud of you. And we still have every reason to be thankful. But here we are, and we're instructed by Paul to be thankful, to practice, to get good at tuning our hearts to gratitude. And on the ground, let's be real, as we're walking through the woods, that is not our natural disposition. It's going to take some hard work, guys. <laughs> By the Spirit of God himself, he plans to start something now that's actually going to last for eternity. Jesus was always thankful. He plans to make us like himself, no matter what our personality might be. An old saint once said, uh, God's people are always happy when they're grateful, and that's pretty cool. But don't be mistaken, as much as a feeling of thankfulness, as much of a feeling as that is, it's also a habit, right? A habit that will continue forever. And so my question is, why not start now, Salt Company? Why not start now? In the world, happiness is a prerequisite to being thankful, right? Are you thankful? Well, not if I'm not happy. Makes sense. But not for the Christian, No. The Christian knows we have only just begun dipping our toes into the ocean and that we have so much to explore, so much to be thankful for, so much to enjoy. And so, guys, the invitation is wide open to the thankful life and the thankful eternity. How can we start now? Okay, what are we gonna do right now as we're leaving this semester? What are we gonna do this summer, to train ourselves in godliness, to become delighted, 
by all of the good gifts, and even more than that, the good gift giver himself. Got a couple fun things for you. How about that? Does that sound good? Something you can do with your connection group three. Something you can do to try and stir the pot, stir your souls to challenge one another to be people like this, thankful, truly thankful people. Okay, first one, fun little goal for us, fun little practice. We have got to get really good at preaching the gospel to ourselves. Okay, what does that mean? Well, we've talked about the gospel. It's that God saves sinners. It's that I was dead in my sin and trespasses in which I once walked, following not God, but my own flesh and the ways of the world and the ways of the devil. But God, being rich in mercy, saved my soul. That's the gospel. And you hear it on the stage every week, I hope. But you know what's really cool? You don't have to wait to come here to hear it. No, you can actually preach the gospel to yourselves. And it's actually a daily rhythm, a daily habit that can actually change your life forever. To remind yourself, not self-talk and self-help, but gospel help and gospel talk that reminds you of who you are before Christ. If you want to know more about that, talk to your connection group leaders. Ask them, how do I get good at preaching the gospel to myself? Because they're really good at it, I hope. Ask them. Work on that together. We always are going to be failing. We're always going to be needing the gospel. Second, make a thankful list. Sound cheesy? It is. But guess what? It works. The other day, I was in a bad mood. I was sad. I was kind of angry. I was pouting. I didn't want to do anything. And I felt convicted, ironically, so unthankful working on this. And I just felt, you know what? I'm just going to pull up a note. I'm going to see 15 minutes how many things I can be thankful for. Guys, I got 200 right here. 200. I could have kept going, but I got bored. <laughs> Try and top that. Set a timer for 15 minutes on a note and come to me and tell me, how thankful can you be in 15 minutes? It changed me. It made me laugh at myself. Not taking myself too seriously, but actually uh, remember the gospel and how good God has been to me in my life. If you want to read this later, you can. It's not too private. Make a thankful list. And finally, and most cheesily of all, most socially awkward, express your gratitude out loud. Colossians 3 here tells us that we should be doing it in song and in word, like that's actually what we're doing here. But I'm talking, go one more layer of awkward and tell somebody that you're thankful for them. There's people in your life who have blessed you greatly. There's friendships, new friendships, old friendships, people that have served you. (laughs) Tell them you're thankful for them. It'll do something magical in your own soul as you become a practitioner of thankfulness. But man, it's also gonna do something for them. And it's going to create a culture here of thankful people who know who they are before the cross and are not afraid to thank one another for the blessings that they are in their life. Express gratitude out loud. Guys, if we could crawl up in that tree stand, in that tree house with the Lord tonight, I think we would see what he sees and we would be very, very thankful. And so my last word for you this year, this semester, guys, is thank you. Thank you, Salt Company, for such a good year. You have been such a blessing for me. I love you. And I can't wait to worship with you. So let's pray. 
and let's tap in to what we're going to be doing for eternity together. God, I love how I was taught to pray as a child. Um, kind, of the, kind of the thing I probably make fun of a lot now, but just thank you, God, for this day. <laughs> I feel like that's something I want to bring back in my prayer life, Lord. I just want to say thank you, God, for this day. What a great day. There was so much to enjoy. And God, I am so thankful for this year, for all the curveballs that came from your hand, all the stuff that uh, stretched me, grew me, disappointed me. Because ultimately, God, I hope I can say this for myself and for every other person in here that follows you. When we say together, yeah, it was totally worth it. And God, you were here by my side, by our side, every step of the way. Lord, would you make us a thankful people who have the gospel right on our mind all the time, who have thankfulness on our lips all the time, who sing and worship with spiritual songs from hearts of gratitude, God. And I pray for the people who have not experienced this happiness, who are looking elsewhere for life. God, I pray that tonight just every single soul in here would just be surrendered to you. That we don't need to have all of our ducks in a row. We don't have to have our mouth cleaned up. We don't have to have everything all right and clean about us, God. But we are coming to you as the lepers did, just as we are. And we are leaving healed. But God, before we run off and celebrate, would we stop, hit the knees to the ground and say, thank you, Lord. You are mighty to save.